This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay, and I'm joined with my co-host, Ramon. And we have a great guest with us today, Kendall Dickieson, who's the founder at Flexible Creative, a business that helps brands share their story and build connections to their audience to unlock customer acquisition organically. Super excited to have Kendall on the podcast here today. She's helped build out multiple Instagram accounts to thousands and thousands of followers, and she's doing some of the same things on TikTok now. So excited to kind of pick her brain on how she grows and manages all of these accounts. But before we dive into all that fun stuff, Kendall, I'll pass the mic over to you. If you want to give a quick little intro about yourself, tell us a little bit more about what you do and some of the brands that you're working with and what you're working on. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So let's see. Cliff Notes, definitely been an interesting past year. My background originally was in hospitality. When I was in college, I truthfully dropped out. And at that time, though, I had a huge passion for social. I was an intern at a food publication called Spoon University that got acquired by Food Network. And I was doing like data analytics there, grabbing social coffee, like everything that kind of falls under organic and like delving into influencer as well. Once I got acquired, obviously my internship ended, but that still like carried my drive into like, how can I help small businesses while I was in school and like teach myself about social and just like psychology in general of marketing upon with my own knowledge, like how can I just keep furthering that? And so I started working with restaurants in New York while I was in school and working a retail job. I was really able to learn a lot across different platforms. And then from there, obviously, like fast forward three and a half years later, COVID hit last year. And I've always wanted to be on the brand side. And that was my moment. So I truthfully was like, okay, I'm going to go like all in on this. So as of today, right now, what I do is I mostly help D2C CPG brands across like multiple niches. I would say mostly like honing in into the wellness space by means of food, bev, and like skincare. And with that comes a few things. It could go from helping like high level social strategies. So kind of working with their internal teams to like be able to optimize content, put the right people in place, get the right creators in place and really like handle that process to social management myself of completely owning a few channels, building out that whole game plan, getting those people in place to execute the content and me optimizing and really building the community engagement on that front. So yeah, I mean, kind of been in this game on my own for about five years, which is crazy. And currently some of the brands that I work with include Canopy, um, which is a reimagined humidifier um, that was started by Doorstev, which is a huge product development agency in the D2C space. And then same with uh, Gooey Snacks, which just launched like Healthy Nutella. Some other brands are Emmy, Low Carb Ramen, just had their new version launched yesterday. And another one is Barcode, which is founded by uh, Bar Malik and Kyle Kuzma from the LA Lakers. So yeah, it's a little bit of what I do. Cool. Well, a lot of cool brands that you're working with, obviously. I guess the first thing that we'd kind of be curious to learn about is, I know you've worked with a lot of different brands over here. So what are some of the common themes, strategies that you've seen that have been effective for growing a brand's social presence since you've spent a lot of time doing that? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. At the end of the day, distribution is always going to be the number one thing, right? So if you don't have like a distribution first strategy, but also like a direct response first strategy, I think 
that's kind of where brands need to hone in on. And I think also it's very easy to kind of get lost in the sauce of like, we need to post on social, but there's no strategy. And I think brands, it's very broad advice, but I think brands need to take the step back and like invest in their strategy first, then execute it versus just executing it being like, okay, we post this on Mondays and this on Tuesdays and this on Wednesdays. Like it's not really a strategy, right? Because you can't like declare like for Q4, we want this goal and then you just reverse engineer it versus being like, we want 20,000 followers. But like, what do you want to do with those 20,000 followers? And like, why? Oh, did he just drop off? The kind of that whole notion of, you know, basically if you can get your content shared and saved, I would say that's the first like game to play. And like, how can you make your consumer care enough to want to share it with friends instead of like going after like, are they liking it? I think that's just like literally how can we drive community first? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I guess that kind of is a perfect segue into what I was curious about as well, which is kind of the process for making creative, you know, whether it's internally or working with creators to make content for social. If you have some advice for brands that are listening, what would you say about what they should be considering with the content that's being created and like how do they set the right mindset and right goal for the content as well? It's a great question. So I would say, even though I'm more like 100% on the organic side, I do work with a lot of like the digital teams as well. Right. Cause like some of them could be, you know, alike and we can repurpose across platforms. I think the one main thing that brands should realize when it comes to creative is not all organic creative can be paid creative and not all paid creative can be organic creative. So although it makes sense to like, from a budget standpoint, how can we like maximize things and like get the most bang for the buck? Like creative on paid is always going to be very different when it comes down to video, the way that it's edited, the way that it has to be presented, like through a UGC scope per se is a good example. I just really think that brands need to separate the two. I think when it comes to getting the right creators in place, it's a very hard and difficult process to do because someone could seem like a great fit, but it just might not be like the right vibe. And so you really need to like put the elbow grease in to find that person. I think also when it comes to having partners who develop the content, whether that's design, whether that's photo or video, like those people are are so responsible for how everything's going to look, but it's also on the brand to get so granular with what they want. And I think being through so many creative processes, like on different brands, seeing how everyone formats their process of like getting something to a designer, getting something to a photographer, like don't be broad, like don't be afraid to be like extremely anal over it. (laughs) Like it's just like the more context you can give that photographer, the more context you can give that designer, it's only going to pay off for you. And so I also think like developing internally, it's one of those things of Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. And I would just say like patience. I know that's a very like cliche answer, but I think that's one thing. Everyone wants to get the ball rolling so fast, but if you don't have the right partners in place, it's only going to cost you more down the road. So put time in your vetting process also. For sure. And that probably speaks a lot, I'm sure, to your process that you have with working with these brands. Like it obviously like pretty obvious just from talking to you that you are very like detail oriented when working with brands and kind of picking out the content over there. So I want to talk a little bit about that as well more. I know one of the things that 
while I was digging through like some of the tweets that you've put out and just like what you've been working on, one thing that you're really big on is kind of creating content that kind of furthers connections and elicits like a response and also gets some shares. And I think you mentioned that a little bit earlier at the beginning of the podcast as well. What are some tips that you can kind of provide or share for brands that are listening to achieve some of those same goals and actually create content that does elicit a response or get someone to share content? This question always falls into my head of like how to articulate it. And I think that's one thing I've also like, not, it's not a tangent, but like kind of ties into it. Like one thing I've had a few conversations with, with friends and this like also working with like creative partners across different brands where it's like, it's very difficult, especially in these situations, because right, we all have our own brain. And so like, we might not think the same way about social. So it's like, how can I get other brands to think about the same way I kind of think about it? And I tried to like put it into words. It's really difficult. <laughs> I would say... Just because you have the assets you have doesn't mean you have to present them in the way that you have them. I think there's always a way to add a graphic element that can further the engagement or the connection with the consumer. So whether that's a graphic treatment, whether that's like using ways and means that we have from like specific social platforms to kind of play a role in that, right? Like, is it as simple as like doing polls and things on stories that elicit a response, allow you to gather data so that you can like use that in a strategy in feed. Is that going to be like through mostly copy? And I think also it's just like one of those things where we could say algorithms play a role. Obviously we know Instagram's kind of a mess right now, but it's like people don't want to see product after product after product. And so I think you need to find a way to mention the product in different buckets and under those buckets, then you start developing, okay, if we're talking about benefits, how can we connect to the consumer in terms of like, what's the pain point? Like, why do they want this beverage, right? Like all the sports drinks are the, on the market are filled with sugar, but like, for instance, barcode isn't. So like, why do they want that? And then like really honing in on that and saying like, how can we show this visually to the fact of like, oh, when they see it in Erewhon, if they're in LA, they're like, oh, I saw that on Instagram. Like, I know it is blank, 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 and blank with the benefits of like these ingredients. I'm going to go try it. And then there's other ways where it's like, you could go the meme format. Everyone knows that's kind of shareable, savable, but it's to the point now of like, everyone knows those thrive. And so it's becoming the same thing. So I would say like, if you're creating shareable content, now by way of memes or anything like that you really need to be doing it in a way where it's like you're not seeing it on any other account (laughs) I don't know if that really answered the question but yeah it's a hard one I think it's really just like you know mostly when I look at anything that I've posted probably in the last 30 days anything that really elicits the biggest response is usually in copy and I think it's just making note and like taking note of psychology at the end of the day of like, we know that people skim on social. So stop writing captions that are like a novel. That's a really good tip. I think, especially talking about how important the copy is for just a caption, it's not necessarily just a piece of creative. And I also liked what you talked about when you mentioned like adding that brand touch, I guess, to the creative as well. It doesn't necessarily just have to be like, you take your creative asset that you get and just put it out there. You can add a little bit of more, brand elements or what you think would resonate with your audience, right? Uh, And I think there's a a good example. I would use recess here because like the way that they person, I guess that's the word personifying, like give personality to each flavor and their skew line, like every flavor of recess 
has a different tone and it is presented in a different way in the creative. We obviously know recess is creative is great, but like we also know that not everyone can afford that. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where they make it short, it's sweet and it's fun. But like when they hit, they hit. And I think that's one thing where it's like they just make product fun where it's so easy to just burn out, especially in beverage of like product being thrown in the air, product in hand, product on a table. And it's like, how can we show this differently? And so I I just feel like also video is like a great outlet and that everyone needs to be utilizing that right now because like static imagery, hit or miss, depending what niche I would say you're in. But like video right now, reels, in-feeds, if it's regular in-feed video, really anything right same goes for tiktok obviously tiktok is like massive for video right now but like that's the one thing where everyone wants to see things quickly and that's how everyone's brain is processing things if you could show them like the value props in a 15 second video instead of like a 15 line caption like they're gonna want to do that instead yeah all good tips over there and i know we're gonna spend some time too talking about some other brands that you kind of like as well but one thing I wanted to to talk about with you is something you also mentioned earlier, which is kind of like splitting social strategy from influencer strategy. If you have the budget for it, I know you've kind of uh, were mentioned in an article talking about this. So can you provide a little bit more context for maybe brands that uh, aren't really sure why this is important? And not sure if it connects back to what you mentioned earlier, which was like talking about how paid content might not necessarily work on organic, but yeah. Can you share with us a little bit more about your thoughts there? Yeah, totally. It's a good question. I think that's one of my favorite like discussions to be honest as someone, this is also a good context about me is that like, I'm not a fan of the word influencer. I think everyone can be an influencer, but not everyone can be a creator. So that's my one hot take. Then the other thing about me is that like, I about, wow, 2013, When I was in college, freshman year, I started like a health and wellness account out of my dorm room. I was going through some things and then my roommate and I were like, what if we got famous on Instagram? And I kept going with it. (laughs) And I would like post all my food and stuff. And I eventually like grew my account. I haven't really been active on it for the last two years, but I grew it to like 50K, like enough to like be like, okay, I did that. Like, cool. Like, it's so awesome. And I really got a solid community and I was able to work with so many brands The beauty of that is that it opened my eyes to how influencer marketing was being done and like the rights and wrongs, how I was being treated by certain brands from the standpoint of communication, the legal side for brand partnerships down to like the briefs that would happen, even if it was like a free trade, like post this, we'll give you this type of deal and saying like for any clients that I was working with now, how can I completely take everything I've learned and seen from friends who are like bloggers as well and like make everything right. Because at the end of the day, influencers want to be respected. And when it comes to social and influencer strategy, your social strategy should include influencer marketing, but influencer marketing is not your social strategy. So the two need to be completely separate. Like you're probably going to need us if you have the budget, it's worth it to put money towards influencer. Um, whether that's means of seeding, doing other activations, which I know we'll probably get into a little bit more of like other ways we can work with creators. But I think that brands really need to hone in on those connections because those connections can bring them like five times the investment up front um, if it's channeled correctly. Also, I think we're seeing scopes of work are being split where it's like, oh, this person handles organic social. But now it's like if someone's on a team, it's like 
X is the social, you know, it could be specialist, strategist, manager, whatever. But then now someone's really becoming like a partnerships influencer lead because of the time it takes. Like you can't do both anymore. It's so much time. And like if you just aren't seeding product out, like you're missing out on so many free eyes. It just goes back to distribution. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more, all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D dot I-O slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. Yeah, definitely. And talking about like even working with creators, I don't know um, if you have any suggestions around that, like how many creators should brands be working with? What are some strategies that they can do that work really well also? Yeah. So a few ways that you can work with creators, right? So obviously like seeding, everyone knows traditional like product seeding, say around a launch or like big event or just in general. There, I think, you know, there's room to play from a budget standpoint. I'm always going to be an advocate. I believe all creators should be compensated, but I also recognize that sometimes you have to be really scrappy, but all you have to do is treat influencers like normal people and they're down to have a conversation. Like that's it. Like I have worked with tons of creators who I've been in contact with for like two to three years where I had no choice but to work with them on kind of like a free basis and kind of find that happy medium. If you're so honest from this, be honest from the get and say like, we don't have a budget right now. This is what we can offer you. They like it. Cool. If they don't, that's okay. But otherwise I would also look into like, how can you up the ante? if You can't put a budget up front by going through means of like an app, like Shopify app, like dovetail where it's like my personally, I'm like, I love Dovetail with all my heart, but it's an affiliate marketing platform that syncs up to your Shopify. It's literally like 40 bucks a month. You could set up tons of creators with Shopify codes. And so you're just able to have like attribution to that as well. And you're able to give commission. So if like, if it's not a flat fee, but you can at least like give them a little bit of kickback to help them out and let their followers support them, like people are always open to that. So it's kind of just like testing your waters and then also just like being cognizant of like just don't no one wants their time wasted so just be honest and just literally that's it transparency is always going to be key there i think other ways that you can work with creators some of my favorites are how can you get them involved in content on social like from means of partnering with the brand like are we creating like a collaborative in-feed post for the brand with them like getting insights from them is it like an instagram live is it an instagram tv that they want to film on a specific topic There might be a fee there too, but you never know. And then also uh, UGC ad content. I think that's just like a very underrated thing. A lot of creators these days are now casting on that like whitelisting is a major thing. Um, For anyone that doesn't know what whitelisting is, it's basically when like a creator posts on their feed, say they post a photo for your brand, and then you're basically able to have access to their ad account and you can basically put money behind their post so that it comes through as their account versus the brand. And obviously we know that like with that looks way more organic and usually like cost per acquisition can be lower. So that's one thing that a lot of creators are starting to jump on the bandwagon for. And I think UGC creative for paid and organic is literally massive and like the market there is like so needed because people are seeing like if you're buying from someone you want to be told about it from another person not from the brand 
right? Like people, people buy from people. They don't buy from like the random billboard. That's like buy our product. So yeah, I would say like those are a few other ways that brands can work with influencers. Yeah. And I loved how you mentioned like creators deserve to be paid for their work. I think that's a really important piece that's often missed. And there's a lot of ways for doing that. Like I loved how you mentioned like, you know, Maybe someone doesn't have the budget right now, but like it's something that they should be aware of. And I know Trend that owns the podcast over here, they have a platform that kind of allows creators to get paid at like a flat rate for creating content. So it's not like you're spending like thousands and thousands of dollars there, but like whatever you can do to support creators, I think is really important. And I guess from your experience too, you'd probably agree with that as a creator, right? I mean, I've definitely, I'll be honest, I've definitely done deals where it was free, but it's because like one, it was like a brand that I loved and doesn't matter how big or how small, like if I love the product, like I'm always open to anything, but it's also like so many people who I have been paid with on a brand partnership basis were very flat out of like, what is your rate? Like they would ask from the get because they would just set that expectation where I've definitely had my runarounds before, but you know, for a brand that like last year launched during the middle pandemic, we didn't really have a budget set yet. And we had to prove it. Sometimes you just need to prove it first. But if you can't get that in-feed post, but you could get stories, like you're still winning. Like if you have their insights, which hopefully they do. But like the thing is, is that with stories, it's obviously like super passive in a good way because most people get more eyeballs on there anyway. So if someone's like, oh, well, I can't promise like a dedicated story, but like I'll post on my own time. They post on their own time like two months later, but it brings in sales like by all means. As long as they fit your community and your niche and who you're trying to go after, take it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, definitely connecting back to those goals for brands too, which is awesome. I know we're coming close to the end of the podcast over here. So one thing I want to cover, which is the reason why we got kind of connected to set up this podcast is talking about you know, you've had all this success on Instagram, but you're also now generating a lot of success on TikTok. Recently, you know, you shared a thread about how you helped Obagel grow from 1K to 15K followers on TikTok in 48 hours, which is kind of crazy. Just super quick, what are some key learnings and tips that you can kind of share from that experience to the audience? Yeah, so it's funny. So Obagel was one of my very first clients when I was in the restaurant space. And now we just launched a D2C product as well, which is so cool to see like brick and mortar go that route. So now we have a just add water mix, which now we're trying to like test the market to see like, how do we need to position this correctly for it to like take off on TikTok and like on Instagram, which is now slowly starting to happen. But with that video, I think it just goes to show basically for context and for a visual for everyone, imagine someone is holding a regular bagel fresh out the oven in front of you. You knocked on it and ripped it open. It's just like ASMR heaven. Like how much, I don't even know. I haven't seen the, I haven't even looked at the insights in a while, but I believe it's like over 2 million views for sure now. And I think some takeaways from that one, everything lives in your comments. So if you are not in your comments on TikTok, whether you like don't even have that many comments on a TikTok video, everything, like all the new memes that come out and all the new phrases that come out and all the trends, like are born in the comment section of TikTok. So one also just goes back to like, make sure you're like engaging with your community. (laughs) Then two, I would say TikTok creative does not need to be perfect because it could be the simplest, stupidest thing in the world, but it could take off in like two seconds. 
I find that the videos that people put so many hours into perform badly, and the things that are made on a whim outperform every single other thing, which sucks. But, um, that's the truth. What else? I would say that, what else? I think patience is like number one key. If you're on TikTok and you're like, why isn't anything working? One, also like if you're a brand, it's really difficult because they know you're a brand if you're identifying as that. And so obviously they want you to pay to play versus like, let's give you organic love. Is it possible to go viral? Absolutely. It's a little harder. So I think putting patience first and just executing on some like game plans every week of like locking down consistency. Like I think there's, you know, a lot of people are like, you have to upload like five times a day on TikTok. Yes and no, because like most brands can't do that because one, they don't have the right person in place to do that. And two, like to create all those assets from scratch with no one to do that, that's just more stress that no one needs. So one, stick to a number of videos a week that you're consistent about, like whether that's two or whether that's three or five. And then also making sure that like, you're just not getting down on yourself. I see a lot of brands just being like, oh, it's just not for us. And I don't think that's true. I think it's just like, how can you kind of go around the system in a nice way? of being like, do we need to position the brand through a personal account? Like, could an employee own an account with a different handle, but it all reverts back to the brand? Like, brands like Chacha Matcha did that. And also looking at, I would really say all those put together is what I realized across, like, brands that I'm previously, like, working on now, uh, working on TikTok. However, I would say the biggest piece of advice and the biggest ask that I have seen within the last three and a half months that people come to me for is do you have someone who could be the face of the brand that I think just goes to show that brands need to be literally hiring a TikTok person like whether that's a manager or just a creator because the people who know how to create on TikTok obviously know how to do it correctly they enjoy doing it not everyone enjoys doing that and nor does everyone want to be on camera so I think bringing on like an intern or just like you know kind of like a junior role for a TikTok manager and content creator is just gonna like one take it, it will one have energy going to it versus being another channel for the social manager to have to worry about because I think TikTok is a full-time job personally that's why like I'm never really the one creating the actual content because I like the optim I like optimizing it and I like share ideas with the creator of like hey let's knock this one out this week and they go execute it but then I can be the one being like oh let's test like this variation and so I think like having having those two in place of like someone who can kind of guide it and then someone who just needs to execute and you just keep it when it comes to finding someone, utilize the resources that TikTok gives you. That's one thing with Obagel right now that we're doing. And same across like some other brands. It's like leveraging the creator marketplace. Like you can find creators for campaigns and like negotiate rates. And truthfully, like rates for TikTok are not what they are for Instagram. They're usually way lower. So that's a good place to start too. And final thing I would say is the longevity factor on TikTok. Something could not perform now, but it could perform in six months. I've seen that across cases like Emmy, where it's like, we'll give someone an affiliate code. They post a video for us. Didn't do as well on the conversion side up front. But like now I went into Dubtail yesterday and it was like, oh, here's 15 sales in the last three weeks because the video randomly took off. It's crazy. It's literally nuts. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I know. And I think also it's just one of those things too, where it's like, think about how you can like distribute that even further. You could just put it through like a site like SnapTick and now you have a reel and now you can upload that on Instagram. 
it's like, you know, how can you, how can you make the dollar worth it for the time that you're putting into that? So, yeah. Definitely. And there's a lot of good tips over there. I mean, uh, you know, you talked about like even thinking about having a dedicated person as a create as a creator as well, which I think is like absolutely necessary at this point with all the different channels there are for brands to create content, but lots of awesome tips over there. So, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up over here, I want to pass the mic back to you one last time. I mean, this has, first of all, been an awesome podcast. It's been great getting to chat with you and, and learn about your strategy and pick your brain. What's next for you, Kendall? What are you, what are you working on? And then if you want to share anything else where people can kind of like learn more about what you're doing or even connect with you, feel free to drop those as well. Yeah, I would say, well, first off, this is a great conversation. I love, I could talk about this stuff for hours, but like, I would say the next thing I'm working on expanding myself personally, I think I'll still be like, obviously in social, I'll be starting up with some cool clients probably around October. I think the next steps for me are actually like expanding my own service offerings. For context, I'm literally one person. So I have no help on like really the creative front. It's usually more so in terms of like I have some graphic design background. I know how to do film and photography, but usually I can offset that with a lot of the internal teams and like the amazing partners that I have on the brands. And I'm good at like putting those people in their place. But now I want to be able to like offer more service in terms of like graphic design and like copywriting and stuff like that and have people on my team who can only like help all the brands that I work with even more. So that's one thing for me. I think that's the biggest thing that's next. I think admitting that sometimes you all need help is really important. And let's see what else. I would say I'll still be in the social space for sure. Otherwise, you can find me at, let's see, you can do Twitter at Flexible Foodie that's my Instagram handle, but I'm trying to change it to my personal name. And then my Instagram, if you want to see like cool food recipes is the flexible foodie. And then my website is kendalldickison.com. And yeah, so that's where I am. That's where I'll be. But yeah, you can usually just find me tweeting random things. So (laughs) awesome. Well, Kendall, it was great having you on the podcast over here. Tons and tons of valuable insights and takeaways for everyone that was listening. I know I learned a lot as well appreciate you jumping on the podcast we'll be keeping an eye out for what you're doing next and for everyone that's listening if you enjoyed this episode feel free to drop us a quick rating and subscribe to the dtc pod thanks again for joining us kendall really appreciate you coming on of course thank you